What's going on, everyone? And welcome into this edition of Be Shafe Daily Live. As tonight, we're talking about a Cardinals winner, 2-1 to one, over the Royals. It comes in the 19th game in 19 days as the Cardinals have finally earned themselves a day off. They have been needing one. We have seen a precipitous decline in the offensive production from this team over the past week or so. And tonight, they probably would have lost another ball game, to be quite honest with you, if not for the masterful performance of Miles Michaelis, who is really starting to reestablish himself as the dude in this rotation. The Cardinals have been lacking that dude, that one guy that can just carry the team, put the team on his back, and get him a win. And tonight, Miles Michaelis basically did that. Eight innings, 10 strikeouts. He was phenomenal. Was up there just over 100 pitches after eight, which Ollie Marmel said, you know, if he had been below 100, maybe we think a little more about sending him back out there for the ninth, especially after the Cardinals come up with that insurance run there in the bottom of the eighth. But ultimately, they decided to uh, hold him off. And then actually, Miles said in his in the uh, clubhouse after the game that on one of the very last sliders he threw of the night, he developed a little bit of a blister and he said nothing that's going to impact him for the next start. But one of those things where I'm not saying he asked out of the game, but I think he and the team was were on the same page about let's go ahead and go into this little little respite the team has coming up, feeling good about things, and, and Michaelis was cool with maybe not pitching there in that ninth inning. And so he ends up, though, getting a, a, a job well done and helping the Cardinals to a win on a day where the offense just did not muster much against Zach Greinke. And uh, it's a good thing they got what they did, though, because that insurance run against Aroldis Chapman, which I, I thought were some of the best at-bats the Cardinals as a team, took all day when they faced Chapman there in the eighth inning. Uh, it was a good thing they got those uh, at-bats kind of piled together and, and, and came up with an insurance run thanks to Nolan Gorman, a lefty facing one of the toughest lefties in baseball over the past dozen years or so. He ends up coming up with the sacrifice fly to score the second run of the game for the Cardinals, which ended up proving pretty important with Giovanni Gallegos having a little bit of a roller coaster in the ninth inning. For whatever reason, Gio has decided he wants to toe that line. He wants to walk right up to that line of potentially blowing a save. If he's got a run of cushion, lately it's been the case that he's going to use it. But the Stone Cold Killer, as I have begun to call him, comes up with the save and the Cardinals win it 2-1 to one in a much-needed win. I did not want to be sending the tweet, right? The tweet, which is, sweeps aren't that hard, just play the Cardinals. It would have been a situation where I would have had to say, sweeps aren't that hard, just play the Cardinals. If the Cardinals had lost tonight, if Gio had blown that lead, if Michaelis hadn't been as good as Michaelis was. But none of that was a concern tonight as the Cardinals get the win. And so we're going to just dive right into the comments. And so subscribe to this channel, Brendan Schaefer, St. Louis Cardinals writer on YouTube, in order to have access to the daily Cardinals content that I plan to provide that we've provided for the most part over the last two months, minus a couple of days over the weekend there when we uh, had your boy up trying to catch a fish uh, at the farm over Memorial Day weekend. I caught one fish the entire weekend. I call that a win. If you know how bad I am at fishing, you would understand. But now we're back with daily content. And so subscribe to this channel and check me out on Spotify. The podcast is called Be Shafe Daily. This will just be a live version of it that we'll put on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you just want an audio-only version. But the big deal about subscribing to the YouTube channel is the fact that I am closing in on 1,000 subscribers. And then all of the people who said, hey, why not do Super Chats? And why not 
do all these different things that YouTube allows you to do when you're in the creator program. Well, I'm not in the program yet. I got to get to 1,000 subscribers. You guys have been watching the content, and so I have soared past the, uh, the, the benchmark for how much content needs to be watched on my channel. We're already well there and beyond. We just need like 80 more subscribers or something. So we'd love to have you subscribe if you're new to the channel or if you just haven't gotten around to subscribing yet. We'd appreciate it. Uh, two more likes and we'll be able to get to 10, which is nice. I'm going to take a quick sip of water and then we'll be right into the comment section, which can include anything about tonight's game, about the season, about the standings, about Jordan Walker and kind of the thoughts he had about maybe bucking the trend of what the Cardinals had wanted him to do. That was, I know, a big topic uh, of conversation yesterday for Cardinals fans. Anything you guys want to talk about tonight, I am game for. Quick sip of water, and I'll be right into your comments. Appreciate you guys joining me after the long layoff over the weekend. All right, let's go ahead and jump right into the comments tonight. I'm hoping that YouTube doesn't screw me. Let's go. Asher, we are back. What's going on? Hello to Corn. Uh, he must have sensed something in the universe because he thought I might be streaming, and I am. This is my third attempt tonight. If you were a part of the first two attempts, I apologize for the delay and the issues with the stream. Uh, I don't know who to blame, but when I come up with the name of the person to blame, I will let you know who that is. Uh, the Oakland A's have defeated the juggernaut Atlanta Braves for the second night in a row. That would not have been on my bingo card. So well done to the A's. Esturi Ruiz is the guy from the A's that I'm a fan of. Uh, could steal 80, 90, 100 bases if he uh, continues to get on base at a decent clip. But other than that, the A's don't have much going on. So nice for them, I guess, Asher, that they're starting to win some games. Asher says it was easily the best Miles Michaelis performance he's ever seen. I would say it's not the best I've ever seen necessarily, but it's the best of the year, and it came for the Cardinals at a time where they absolutely needed him to shove and him to shove for eight innings. I mean, that he could have gone six or seven, and it's not that the bullpen didn't have some guys that were rested and would have been available, but do you really trust everybody in that bullpen right now? I think whether they could be available to pitch versus whether you really would be excited about seeing them out there. Those might be two different conversations at this point in time, and it's not to diminish the contributions of anybody out there, but it's been a little bit of a rocky go for some. We know Ryan Helsley blowing a save over the weekend, and we've seen Drew Verhagen kind of backslide from where he had been earlier in the season as a quality contributor. And so the Cardinals are definitely in a spot right now where they need an outing like they got from Miles Michaelis. And not only because you can kind of control what the starter does if the starter's good and you know that there's maybe not anything else you got to worry about. It's just that one guy you're relying upon to stay true to what he's been doing on the mound. But the offense just was not going to do much tonight. I thought about this driving in tonight, and I thought, are we about to get a pitcher's duel, a low-scoring game with Zach Greinke versus Miles Michaelis? Yeah, it sort of feels that way with where the Cardinals' offense is right now. They're worn down at the end of this 19 games in 19 days stretch. There have been arguments back and forth on both sides of the spectrum where people have said to me, that's an excuse. They're making excuses. They shouldn't be talking about this. It's not a real factor. And then there have been those who have sort of understood the rigors of what this travel schedule can be. And, and like, it's not uncommon. It's not that it doesn't happen in Major League Baseball that teams have stretches where they play a lot of games in a row and they don't get any off days. But it's different than another line of work where you maybe in the middle of that stretch get a day off because you're not in the starting lineup. And the, the manager might even tell you, and Ollie did this to some of the starters, some of the guys like Goldie and Arenado and I think Contreras one of those days. 
he uh, told them, don't even put on your cleats. Just have your, you know, your your regular tennis shoes on because you're not coming into this game. We're not going to use you. But even on days like that, they still have to go to the ballpark. If they're on the road, they still have to, you know what I mean? Like, it is an absolute commitment day in and day out, whether you're playing or not. And so I termed it as like a six-hour workday for some of those guys where even if they're not going to be active, they got to get to the ballpark a few hours early. They're still probably participatory in warm-ups and different things that you do, stretches, different, you know, just game day activities. And then you have to sit through the game. And depending on if it's a, a dome you're playing at or you're playing outdoors, now the weather begins to heat up. Like, we don't need to throw a pity party for these guys. We don't need to act like this is the hardest job in the world. But there, there is a distinction between Major League Baseball player and the expectations on that and the media scrutiny and the social media scrutiny and the different, you know, people that are watching or relying upon or hoping for a good performance from the boys. Like, it's different than another job. And so, for me, I... I kind of come down on the side of, yeah, I'm understanding of when they when they say 19 games in 19 days is a real thing. As I try to adjust my my screen, my OCD is is kicking in a little bit where I have not been able to line this thing up. Uh, the 19 games in 19 days is a real thing that has impacted these guys. And we've seen over the past week where the Cardinals have slunk down to, oh, something like two runs a game has been their average dating back to parts of that Cincinnati series and the Cleveland series was was not a, a productive series for the Cardinals offensively. And then certainly this series against Kansas City has been a little rough too. So I'm kind of a believer that this was a real thing and it's something they've been having to deal with. And uh, the two off days, I think, have come at a perfect time for the team. And so it was Miles Michaelis really that put the team on his back tonight to be able to have the game that they did. Uh, it easily could have gone another way without the offense really being able to do much and help out. So uh, fortunate that you don't get swept by the Royals. Again, that would have been an ugly tweet to send. I am contractually obligated to send the sweeps aren't that hard tweets whenever the Cardinals are involved in one, uh, good or bad. And so I I did not want to have to be that guy tonight. And luckily, Miles Michaelis basically uh, saved me from doing it. He was efficient in the zone, getting through eight, look good, 10 strikeouts, and, and bounce back from a situation early on in this game where it could have gone the other way. I mean, he hit the first batter of the game on an 0-2 count, and you're thinking, oh, my goodness. That is not something you expect to see. And then a, a potential double play ball that was was stung pretty good, but it's toward Paul Goldschmidt, so you expect that's going to be the, the beginning of a, of a 3-6-3 or 3-6-1 or whatever it would become, and he's not able to get the glove down on it. And so Miles Michael has had a little adversity that he had to battle back from in the beginning, but I think that ended up being a confidence-building event for him as he was able to kind of settle into the outing from there. 18 pitches, I think, he threw in the first inning and was ultimately able to get around it without giving up a run. And from there, uh, he was awesome. Ten strikeouts, as you see there now on the screen. Eight innings, three hits allowed. He was as good as he's been all year for the Cardinals and I think is now safely into a spot where he's the team's ace for now. You may not think of him as the traditional ace in terms of a game one starter in October that you feel great about in that role, but Miles Michaelis just goes out and gets the job done. When he looks at his best, he pours it into the strike zone. He didn't always strike out 10. This tied a career high for him, I believe, was the stat on that. It's just one of those nights where when things are cooking and he's got really all of his breaking balls, his off-speed stuff working, and he's able to spot him where he wants him. Uh, yeah, it ends up being a really productive night for Miles Michaelis. 
And again, the timing just could not have been better for the Cardinals. They really needed something like this to be able to avoid that ugly feeling of losing two games in a row to one of the worst teams in baseball before a two consecutive off day stretch. Like Arenado said, I believe he told uh, Jim Hayes of Bally Sports. I was listening on KMOX on the way back and they played it. Arenado told him, you know, this was one that would have just left a bad taste in your mouth. You want to be able to win going into those couple of off days. And now Arenado said tomorrow, he's probably going to sleep in, going to go for a swim and maybe even have a drink or two, which I say at that point would be well-earned after the stretch he and the Cardinals have been on. Uh, Good for Arenado, good for the Cardinals. I also asked this of Ali Marmel after the game as well. I don't think they aired it on TV because it was toward the end of his interview, but he, I asked him if he had any big plans for tomorrow, and he said, looking forward to not seeing any of you guys. Talking about the uh, the media sitting there in the press conference. So uh, that was good. I think he was joking, probably, mostly, maybe not, but um, that was good. I thought he had a sense of humor about that, so that was nice. Caleb says 12-7 and seven in the 19-straight game stretch. That's pretty solid. Good June and July, and they'll be where they need to be for the deadline. That's the optimism from Caleb speaking. I honestly feel the same way. I know that, like, I've talked a lot about identity for this Cardinals team and that the identity they need to develop and maintain is to be a strong offensive team that can outslug other teams. And I know for a while there they were top five in runs scored. I haven't pulled up the stat recently within the last day or two. I imagine that is no longer the case given they scored only two runs over the past two days against the Royals. But generally, I expect kind of the Cardinals to finish in that in that top five or, or right on the borderline of it at the end of the season in terms of run score. They need to be a team that is robust offensively, that can overcome some of the deficiencies that I think are still going to exist on this pitching staff ultimately. When you get into uh, looking at guys like Miles Michaelis being your number one, and it's not any way to, you know, to degrade Miles Michaelis, I think behind him he just doesn't really have any partners right now that are going to help him maintain the sanctity of this rotation and at the end of the day I honestly think Adam Wainwright ends up being the the other candidate to sort of step up as the season goes along and become more reliable for this Cardinals team they just have not had a lot of reliability in that group Jack Flaherty has shown flashes where he's been really good he has also backslid considerably and he'll end up being the guy that takes the ball on Friday in the team's next game uh, we got that from Ali Marmel after the game. And so, and I think Miles Michaelis as well is going to maintain that five day schedule. And so they're not going to give him any extra days. That's going to reset the rotation a little bit because you'll be, what's today? Tuesday, in the famous words of Keith Kachuk, um, for anyone who used to listen to uh, Martin Kilcoin and Charlie Marlowe, the show they did on 590 The Fan when I was the board operator, that was a Keith Kachuk line where he literally on the radio was doing a, a guest hit with them and said, what is today? Tuesday in the very Keith Kachukian accent. So that's where I come up with that. But today was Tuesday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I guess that would put Miles on pace for Sunday. And I think it's Pittsburgh they go to next. It's a Pittsburgh, Texas road trip. I think that's the proper order on that, but I could be wrong. But Michaelis is going to maintain because the Cardinals are seeing like, whereas a few weeks ago it was, yeah, do a six-man rotation. What's it matter you don't really, it doesn't really affect this team to be skipping anybody or be delaying anybody in that rotation group because nobody's really performing at such a high level that you'll you'll miss them for the extra day. They're keeping Michaelis on the every fifth day schedule at this point, and I think that's right because he has been head and shoulders above the rest of this group. Like I said, Flaherty hit and miss. We'll see what he's able to come up with. Montgomery has really kind of had a, had a dovetail going on recently where he's not been as, as sharp. 
and it's just Stephen Matz's spot is kind of TBD. I think it's going to be Libertor filling it. We did see Matz in relief yesterday. Time will tell on what that looks like. It'll be whoever it is, again, with two days off, they can kind of reorient the rotation, and so I think whoever it is will be toward the back end and uh, maybe in the second series of the upcoming road trip. So that's not 100% sure what it's going to look like just yet, but either way, that Libby spot, the Matt spot, it's not a guy that you're – you're counting on is, is someone near the top of your rotation. I really think it leaves Adam Wainwright as the guy that I have the most faith to be able to turn it around. I know he hasn't been great recently, but it's starting to trend like the Michaelis season did where we saw Michaelis first on struggle quite a bit and then very slowly but surely kind of consistently come to these better outings. And now he's really to his his peak vintage form of the way he pitches when he's at his best. So I feel like Caleb, your optimism, I think, is well-founded in that the rotation, even if it's not great, you're finding some strides with Michaelis. you got to find a partner in crime for him to be able to sit atop that rotation and as you churn through it, have more reliability that right now, one out of every five days, you really feel like the Cardinals have a legit chance to win if Michaelis is on the bump. Got to find that next guy, and, and maybe a third one would be nice, like, we're not asking for much at this point when it comes to the Cardinals rotation, but that's how bleak it's been to me with the way that pitching staff has performed to this point in the season. But Caleb, it looks like it's getting a little better on that front. Again, I don't think the offense is going to be as bad as it's been over the past week. I think it's going to still be that kind of top five, top six, top eight at a minimum sort of offense in MLB. They were, they were run down and we talked a lot about the 19 games in 19 days and whether that's, Valid or not, I, I tend to believe that it is because these are, as TLR used to say, men, not machines, and they are human beings that have to deal with the rigors of a travel schedule and of a day-to-day, and it'll be nice for them to be able to kind of take a step back for a couple of days. Hopefully, the refresh recharges them. Like, I don't want to hear anything about, ah, oh, we're kind of rusty after two days off. You can't have it both ways, but I, I don't think it's just excuse-making to say that these 19 games in 19 days impacted them. Uh, they've been grinding Guys like Wilson Contreras have struggled. I mean, the, the numbers season-wide now for Contreras are, are kind of rough when you consider where he had been and the way we talked about him as a guy uh, that, you know, needs to be a primary contributor. He was very bad tonight, you know, over 3. He's down to 219 and 663 on the OPS. That's not the kind of guy that you're worrying about whether he's playing catcher or he's DHing. You don't DH that player. Um, and I know that they've got big plans for him long-term, but right now, he's not living up to the billing. Hopefully, a couple of days off for him and his teammates will be something that uh, can produce better results moving forward. But really, the only guy that offensively I feel like is starting to get into a groove is Brennan Donovan. His OPS was well below 700 there for a while. Now, as you see there on the screen, sitting at the top of the Cardinals order tonight, going two for four with a very good at bat he took against a Roldis Chapman. I thought that was one of the best ABs of the game was able to just kind of drive a, a somewhat soft liner on a very short, compact swing to make sure you can keep up with the heat that Chapman throws. Drives that ball right back up the middle into center field. Uh, Tommy Evan was not able to score from second on the play. He's still second base, by the way. I always talk about how he demands the second bag, Tommy two bags, and all that good stuff. He stole that base without Chapman even throwing the pitch. It was on a pickoff attempt, and he took off anyway, and it was just a weird developing play with Witt at, at shortstop at second base. And uh, Edmund was able to slide in there, but couldn't score on the Donovan hit. Scores on a Nolan Gorman sacrifice fly against Aroldis Chapman. Did you ever think that Aroldis Chapman v. Nolan Gorman would be a matchup that you don't mind if you're the St. Louis Cardinals? 
Uh, he's not a guy that coming into the season we really felt like, or even in the first month or so, month and a half, got into mid-May, things started to change, but he just wasn't getting opportunities against lefties and hadn't really gotten a hit against lefties the first six weeks or so of the season. And now I think I asked Ollie about this, and he agreed with the premise tonight that it's really a sign of Nolan Gorman just becoming a more complete player and that that ascension has really taken place. And you've seen him now as an everyday guy for the Cardinals. No hits tonight for Gorman, but the big RBI, it wasn't to go-ahead Gorman because they already had the lead, but that ended up being a, a crucial RBI in the game after Gio uh, gives one up in the ninth inning. So really well done by Gorman to take that AB. I was just impressed all the way around. Uh, with some of the late game at-bats that were taken. Really against Zach Greinke, this was just a game that was flying by. I still think it was like a two-hour, 19-minute game. And against Greinke, the Cardinals just could not get anything done offensively. Arenado had a really nice swing, double into the gap to score Goldschmidt from first base, which ended up being the big you know, the big swing of this game um, before the things that happened there in the eighth inning. Uh, Greinke, though, just five innings, but did not give up a run to the Cardinals on six strikeouts. And then they were able to get to the reliever Hernandez there in the sixth inning. That's just Goldschmidt getting himself on base and Arenado driving a ball. Cardinals needed their studs to be studs, if only for a moment, and those guys were able to do it. Um, but I love the at-bats against Chapman. That's just not something that, that you really have seen too much. It's been since 2011 since the Cardinals have scored a run, or, an, or it might have been an earned run. But in either case, against the as Chapman, we were talking the folks in the media waiting for Ollie Marmel's press conference to begin tonight. We're talking about how, oh, yeah, where was where was uh, Katie Wu? Where was Daniel Guerrero? Brendan Schaefer was a senior in high school at the time. Like, I was not even even uh, dreaming of, of this world and being able to talk with you guys about Cardinals baseball. So that's great. Um, but that was a dozen years ago that the Cardinals last scored an earned run against Chapman. So that ends up being a very key run in this game. And for an offense that has just been very dormant over the last few days, to come up with a couple of key ABs there. It's almost like they knew they were going to need them. And rather than than not, you know, just kind of saying, ah, we got that one nothing lead. Let's just let the bullpen or Michaelis go back out there for the ninth, whatever the case might be. Let's let them handle it. And we'll go home winners and get into the, uh, the little mini vacay that we get coming up here. Can't do that. And the Cardinals, I think, recognize they can't. And so they grinded at bats against a tough customer in Aroldis Chapman. I know he's maybe not the guy that he used to be in terms of uh, the, the lights out closer, but he still had a very nice start to the season for Kansas City, and the Cardinals were able to get one off him tonight, and they ended up needing it for sure. So good to see there. Uh, go ahead and like the stream. I'd love to get this up to 20 likes tonight. I know we're late. I know it's midnight. I know things did not go the way that I hoped they would. Uh, so far, third time has been a charm with this live stream, and so I appreciate you guys joining me. As you see there, subscribe for daily Cardinals content. It's on your screen throughout this video as we try to get to 1,000 subscribers, that will be the drumbeat until we get there. And then I promise you I'll probably begin to talk less about subscribers at that point, but it would be huge for me to get to 1K so that I can uh, join the creator program on YouTube. So if you're listening back to this the next day on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, head real quick to youtube.com slash at bshafer12. It's just like my Twitter handle, at bshafer12, youtube.com slash at bshafer12. And go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Even if you think you'd rather listen on Spotify, it would really help me out to be able to get you guys on board because I want to do some super chats and I want to do some fun things with you guys. And, and they, they let you kind of open that up after you get to the uh, the creator program. So that'd be cool. Corn says, I was watching mostly on my phone tonight because we were watching the new season of... <laughs> I 
I, I see the ITYSL, and I think, what is that? It's I Think You Should Leave, which, yes, yeah, season three is out. Haven't gotten to watch it yet, but I'm definitely going to be uh, hitting that up here pretty soon. Uh, very, very much into the Tim Robinson outfit there on Netflix. Netflix has been, have you guys run into this with Netflix where you can't share passwords anymore? I know this is a baseball show, but we can, whoops, but we can talk about that too. I, uh, I have not been prompted by Netflix. I'm definitely uh, guilty of the password sharing with, with different family members and stuff, but I'm curious if anybody's had to deal with the, the fallout from that just yet. Freaking Netflix, dude, trying to like ruin our lives. Can't stand it. Here I am, though, talking about, like, Netflix charging a monthly subscription, and I want to charge a subscription for Patreon. And it's a little disingenuous of me. I apologize. But uh, Netflix should be allowed to do that. They got enough money. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Allison, what's going on? Connor, we are indeed back tentatively. Hopefully this stream will hold up for us uh, for the next 40 minutes or so. I don't want to stay up too late tonight since I got such a late start. But we'll we'll get through the comments section as always. Don't worry about it. Uh, Allison asks, are the Cardinals sticking with a five-man rotation? Uh, the, she asked another question. That question, the answer would be yes. They're going to a five-man rotation. It will not maintain six. And I basically said or predicted that that would be the case uh, within the last couple of days. I think even before the, uh, the long weekend, I sort of articulated my thoughts on that. It is kind of basically confirmed from Ollie Marmel tonight that that's what they're going to do. Uh, they're going to go back to a five. It just It's not conceivable or sustainable to maintain a six-man rotation because of what it does to the bullpen. With the new rules in MLB, I think as of last year, they made it a limitation of 13 position players. Thir well, 13 pitchers. You cannot have more than 13 pitchers on the roster because the reason for that is MLB wants to move these games along. And honestly, it's those games that are like seven to five, but there's a pitching change in the middle of every half inning that just delays things. And you're thinking, good grief, like, can we get this thing moving? That's the kind of game I don't like to sit around for, uh, at least working in the press box. As a fan, as a spectator, it's probably great because you maybe have a beer in hand and you're hanging out. But those games really do tend to drag a little bit. And so I don't mind MLB doing that. It's like, all right, you don't just need to specialize. The three batter minimum is another way they've been able to move that forward. Uh, and so I think that's a positive too. But they are indeed going back to a five-man rotation because, Allison, I just don't think it's feasible to maintain the bullpen they have with those limitations, only having seven relievers makes life a lot more difficult. Um, now, the, the other question is, is Matt's going to the bullpen, Libertor as the starter? That's not something that's been confirmed yet. I think it's leaning that way. I've talked a lot on B-Shape Daily about how I think it should end up being that way. Uh, they did use Steven Matz in relief yesterday, but that's not going to preclude him from necessarily being able to rejoin the rotation if they decide they want to go that route. But they did seem to want to stay away from Libertor over this Kansas City series using him out of the bullpen because theoretically you could have thrown him out there today. Granted, Michael is throwing eight sort of negates that possibility. But I do think that they're sort of gearing themselves toward him in the rotation. But again, I don't know what their response is going to be after he gives up those four runs in the fifth inning of his start against Cleveland. Like, that wasn't a good indication of the way he had pitched that day. And I hope that he is rewarded for the way he had performed up until some weirdness in that inning, which I still maintain, wouldn't have had Arenado playing so far in on what could have been a double play ball that would have saved the Cardinals a lot of grief and maybe allowed them to win that game if that doesn't turn into a big crooked number against Libertor in that fifth. But I digress. I think it should be Libby in, in, in the rotation and Matt's to the bullpen. 
Steven Matz has a repertoire and his lefty-righty splits and like everything about the situation other than really his salary and his veteran experience would scream, put him in the bullpen and actually maybe have a legitimate, genuine weapon in relief, not somebody that you are just straining to hope he gets you through five innings in the rotation. It just makes so much sense to switch it. Is that to say that Libertor is going to be uh, just an excellent answer to the rotation? No, it's not necessarily the case at all that he would be. But I do believe there's a there's a better chance of that happening than of Matt's coming back to the rotation and suddenly just being a different guy and fixing things. Like realistically, to me, I just don't buy that that's what's going to end up happening for Stephen Matt. So for me, it would make the most sense for the Cardinals to go ahead and just keep him where he is in the bullpen, where he looked like he had had made some strides already in the way that he performed on Monday. So we'll see if that ends up being the case. But that would be my plan if you've listened to the the content, which I know Allison has, um, Steven Matz to the bullpen, and then Libertor, give him seven, eight, nine starts, which kind of coincides with leading right up to the trade deadline. And if then you realize by then Libertor is not the answer, then you can make a move and and kind of know going into July 31st what you need. Um, a lot of people want to see pitchers at the deadline, and I agree they may need to add a starter, maybe two, depending on how injuries shape up between now and then at the trade deadline. But I have talked a lot, and maybe more than is necessary, because at the end of the day, winning is what needs to matter, and so they can make any decisions necessary uh, to get them closer to a winning record and to a winning season. But I have talked a lot about, I don't know who you replace in the rotation, but I think it, I think that I'm always approaching that from like the team perspective and saying, I realistically don't know who the Cardinals would replace if they continued to struggle. But I guess the answer by July could feel a lot differently, right? If another six weeks pass and somebody is really struggling, even if that somebody is Wainwright, like we, that would be a conversation in six weeks or so. But I don't feel like with the veterans you have in the rotation, I don't feel like any of them are destined to necessarily be on the chopping block within the next couple of starts, other than Matt's due to the, the nature of his season so far. You've at least seen the glimpses, right, from everybody else. Uh, Sans Wainwright, who's only thrown like five times. But you've seen the glimpses from Montgomery, who was kind of their best starter the first five weeks or so. You've seen glimpses certainly from Jack Flaherty, maybe not as many as you'd like to have seen, but you've seen them. And then Miles Michaelis is now, you know, pitching like that dude. You have never even seen the glimpse that can tell you Steven Matz can be elite in this rotation, not since he joined the Cardinals. And so for me, that's where the distinction lies with him. But everybody else, I do think there would need to be some significant failure for six weeks for one of these guys. If they've got a six ERA in July, maybe then you talk about it. But otherwise, it really does feel like it would benefit the Cardinals to throw a guy like Libertor out there because then it won't be a question in mid-July whether he's the answer and you're scrambling to find out before you know whether or not you need to do other things at the deadline to acquire starting pitching. You'll know by you know by then about Libby if you decide now to go ahead and give him the shot. That's the way I kind of look at that one. And I really do think that that could be something that benefits uh, benefits the Cardinals to just get that look from him. So we'll see. Laborer 88 says, good news, bad news. Michaels is very good tonight. That's the good news. And they won. The bad is only scoring two runs against a bad baseball team. They're a bad baseball team in Kansas City. But I would also say this, Zach Greinke's not a bad pitcher. Um, I'll have to double check what his numbers are this season. I know he's kind of kind of been up and down at times. Um, but this year, you know, improves to a 4-1-9 ERA. It wasn't surprising to me that this offense, with where they've been recently, they're grinding, they're they're at the end of their rope a little bit when it comes to uh, rest days and things of that nature. 
I kind of figured Granky would would have the better of them tonight, but they got him out after five and were able to get it done against the KC bullpen. Uh, so if you look at it that way, two runs and four innings against the Kansas City bullpen, maybe you'd like to be more productive than that. But ultimately, uh, or I shouldn't even say four innings, it was just three, obviously, because you don't need to bat in the ninth inning with a lead. So two runs and three innings, I would say through that lens is honestly fine. Yes, you want to be able to get more off of Granky, but that's just one of those things. Like I said, it didn't stun me that they weren't able to do it. And in the context of where they are at the end of this 19-day stretch, I don't think it's the end of the world necessarily either uh, because because they're going to be able to probably find ways to rejuvenate and then bounce back in a couple of days when they when they play their next series on this road trip. So I, I don't think it's the end of the world that the offense struggles tonight. I think it ends up being fine. Uh, the Grave of Einstein says, wait, I thought Mo got you. Got me? No, Mo didn't get me. Where would he even, what, what would he even have a reason to get me? I'm not... I get I get it called uh, you know a homer and all these things so I don't I don't think John Mozeliak is after me. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter last night. I talked about it on B Shafe Daily, but it was a pre-recorded podcast on Monday rather than the live video. But I got a comment on Twitter, and I'll repeat some of it. But basically, the guy said I, I had that picture I I took of Adam Wainwright doing his warmups and because I was recording with Matt Pauley for KMOX. I was on KMOX last night, woot, woot. Uh, but we recorded something before the game so that he could play it during the the uh, the post-game show, the Sports Open Line show, and uh, a lot of good stuff from that. I don't know if KMOX posts those, but it was a fun conversation with Matt, so if I, I might try to find out from Matt if that's something that y'all could listen back to and direct you to it uh, by tweeting that out or something, if it's out there somewhere. But... Um, I had just stepped right out of the KMOX studio, which is right under the bowels of the stadium, uh, right behind home plate. You walk out and you're in the green seats, basically. And so I took that picture of Adam Wainwright as he was warming up. I really woke up thinking I would love to get to make sure I get to see some more God's country from Adam Wainwright this year. And what I mean by that is if you've been to the ball game, when it, when Wainwright's on the bump, you know that God's country is the song that he kind of, that, that he has playing over the speakers when he's warming up. Blake Shelton, whether you like country or not, I think it sets a nice tone for the for the day. And it's just kind of like, you know, it used to be Dixieland Delight for Wainwright, and that was kind of, you know, the cool thing of, oh, it's a Wayno day. You're going to get that song. And God's Country, he's been using for several years now. But when I do my radio show, I, I do it from home, but the show takes place in Columbia on KTGR in Columbia, Missouri. I end up being late. I, I don't get to a lot of these ball games until like the bottom of the first inning or maybe the middle of the top of the first inning at best. Uh, today was like the second inning because there was a, a, a accident on Highway 70. But anyway, I don't always get to hear the God's Country. And so I thought, oh, it's a day game on Memorial Day. I'm going to be able to hear it. But then Matt asked me if I wanted to pre-record. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to be on KMOX, so I'll do it. But I was like, I wonder if this is going to run into to the warm-up and I'll miss it. But it worked out great. I walked right out there and I snapped a picture of Wainwright warming up, got to hear some of the song. So I was happy. Uh, but then later on, after I tweeted out that picture and said Wayno was after 198 because he's still looking for that 198th win after not getting it Monday, this guy replied to me and said, I just know your candy ass is going to go and defend Wayno on that podcast. And then he added, you effing weirdo. <laughs> was the comment that I got yesterday. He didn't say effing though, uh, but y'all know what he said. And so I thought that was absolutely hysterical. The cat told me they, they talked about it some on uh, Hot Take Central today. So I got to I gotta maybe go back and listen to see what, what they said about that. But uh, 
that was the funniest reply I've ever had. And all I could do was just laugh and, and retweet it. So you might've gotten to see that last night, but if not, uh, you could scroll back on my Twitter feed, pretty funny stuff. Um, but my point in, in, just in telling that little side story, which y'all said you liked the Mike Myers side story from yesterday on the pod, go back on B shape daily from Monday night. I think it's like episode 392. And if you want to hear the Mike Myers story, I think it's pretty early in the podcast, but I told that yesterday because of uh, the fact that he pitched really well against the Cardinals. And uh, I had a, a run in with him in Round Rock, Texas in like 2019. Uh, that was kind of comical. So uh, I was telling that story and now I, you said you liked it. So I'm telling this story as well, giving you the behind this little bit, of, a little bit of behind the scenes as innocuous as it might be. But that tweet that I got from, I think it, the guy's name was Anthony or something was, was pretty funny. Um, but the reason I bring it up is Einstein said, I thought Mo got you. And I think, ah, I don't think Bo's after me, but maybe, maybe he is. I probably say some inflammatory stuff sometimes, but a lot of people say I'm such a homer that I'm going to go on the podcast and defend Wayno and I'm a weirdo, um, which I did kind of defend Wayno because they didn't lose because of Wayno on Monday. They lost because they couldn't hit. And that, I mean, you get, you get perfect game for seven innings against Mike Myers and co. Yeah, you probably would, would be comfortable blaming the offense for that game, which I did indeed. Uh, Allison asked if the 19 days in a row is due to the new schedule since they have to play everyone. Does it complicate travel plans? I think it does complicate travel plans because there are oddities throughout the schedule this year. And I've seen other teams that are like, there's like off on a Sunday, I think later on in the year. Now, part of what it does to the Cardinals though. And the reason for it is that London trip, I think screws things up too, because they're only playing two games against the Cubs in London and they need multiple off days on, on the sides of that to be able to facilitate the travel. And so I think that Allison is part of it. It's the balanced schedule that I think is part of it. And um, the other part of it is the fact that the Cardinals did petition MLB to play Monday. They were originally supposed to be off on Monday this week, Memorial Day, play the Royals tonight for game one. Tomorrow on Wednesday would have been game two and then an off day Thursday. And so that would have only been, what, 17 games in a row instead of 19 if they would have gotten that off day Monday. So that would have made it a little bit better on the, the rigor factor for the Cardinals uh, players and their bodies just kind of recovering and stuff, but they did want the, the holiday gate and to play, I say gate, the crowd at Bush stadium was a sellout. Uh, I believe like the third largest of the season on Monday because it's a holiday and everybody's off work and it's a beautiful day. And it, it was totally correct for the Cardinals to do that. Like it's not John Moselak sitting there going, we need this. It's, it's not the baseball operations people doing it. I think that's probably a build a wit the third sort of situation that he handles the business side of the, of the operation. And it's exactly what it should be. MLB should schedule better so that everybody's playing on every holiday. Matt Pauley from KMOX was, was ranting about this yesterday. And he was totally right. They should have Memorial day full schedule during the day and maybe like a national game at night full schedule during, and I know travel plans make that a little tougher because you're, everybody's coming off of a, of a Sunday series and, but you could play those Sunday games during the day too to where it doesn't have to be as, as complicated. They should absolutely be doing that on 4th of July, Labor Day, Memorial Day. Would love to see more of that. But uh, yeah, that's part of the reason for the 19 days. The Cardinals, they wanted that that gate on Monday to have a sellout, and that kind of contributed. Not that that was like the whole, the whole reason that they were worn down. They've been kind of clearly worn down, I think, over the past week. Um, and part of that is just, you know, the 19 games. Part of it is just, those those stretches in the season happen and, and they kind of ran into one on that road trip for sure. And I thought it was interesting. I heard this from Arenado as well post game. Uh, they aired it on KMOX. I don't know if Arenado. I didn't stay around to see if Arenado talked in the clubhouse 
Um, I left after Michaelis, but it may have just been like a one-on-one that Jim was able to to get while Ali Marble talks. But I heard Arenado. Just give me one second, sorry. I heard Arenado on the radio. They played it where he was telling Jim uh, that uh, man. I lost my train of thought. Was telling Jim what was Arenado telling Jim? As I check back the comments to be. Oh, he said that, you know, coming off of the night game in Boston. Sorry about that. The Sunday night game in Boston was where he really felt like it started to kind of wear on guys. And then they came into that homestand where they got to play the Brewers and the Dodgers, which are two contending teams. He said that the adrenaline was going for those series. And so that was nice to be playing those good teams. But when they went into Cincinnati, he's not to say like it's because the Reds are bad, but it's like they just didn't feel like the same energy and uh, in a ballpark where they've got like 9,000 showing up to the games maybe every night, you can understand that in Cincy. So I think that was part of it, too. They kind of hit a wall where they played a bad team in a bad environment, and their their energy did not match where they had been on the previous homestand, which I thought was interesting to hear from Arenado. He said, I don't know if that was why, but he did sort of mention that, you know, speculating maybe that was a little bit what, what was going on there, which I thought was interesting to hear. Connor says that 19 and 19 is tough on the boys. Anyone who disagrees is dreaming. They're clearly gassed. Glad for some much-needed rest. Yep, I couldn't agree more with that. And uh, Michaelis finally has the ERA under four. Let's frickin' go, says Einstein. And, yeah, he's down to 375, which, again, I think two podcasts ago, uh, you know, two Michaelis starts ago, I said that's kind of where I kind of figured he would end up being, back below four before long. And, yeah, to, to be at 375 now is incredible uh, where he was. That's a good point from Corn. Allison wants an update on Walker. And a prediction on when they'll bring him back up. So can maybe we talk a little bit about what he had to say on uh what day was this? This was Monday, I think, that a lot of this came out, where he was in Memphis and was talking to some media and had said, and this was a video that had got like a, a million views on Twitter from Matt Infield, who is a uh, TV reporter down in Memphis. He tweeted this out, and Walker was talking about the fact that. He basically, when he got to AAA, the Cardinals wanted him to put the ball in the air more, and we all have talked about this, and that was kind of his goal to to get rid of the ground ball rate that had been so high and start hitting more line drives, hitting the ball in the air with, with launch angle. And he basically said that he had to kind of, a, he didn't say he was abandoning it, but he had to stop really thinking about all that in the batter's box and just try to get back to what he does he says, yeah, I'm not really doing that anymore. It was kind of a dismissive way of saying it, and so it caught a lot of attention where, where people are saying, oh, Jordan Walker is just you know, showing the Cardinals the middle finger by saying I'm not going to do it that way. I think ultimately it, it sounded more bombastic, and I wrote about this for KMOV. Um, I haven't tweeted out the article yet because I just finished it up and got it posted right before today's game time, but go check that out, KMOV.com slash sports if you want to hear more. Or, or read more. I know y'all support me by watching the content. Writing is one of my main gigs, you know, BBWA and the like. So I appreciate when you read the content as well that I write for KMOV. But the uh, the deal with Walker was he, he kind of sounded like he was flying in the face of what the Cardinals had wanted him to do in terms of launch angle and, and getting, you know, that's what they kind of, the edict was when they sent him out was work on these things. And so to hear that, he basically says, yeah, I'm not really doing that was kind of jarring. And a lot of Cardinals fans said, oh, it's another example. The organization just can't develop this talent and and they don't know what they're doing. I feel like it's more in Daniel Guerrero that writes for STL today 
and, and covers the minors for those guys, had a good article um, kind of talking about this situation with Walker, but giving better context about what he is working on with the hitting coaches in Memphis. And it's about kind of getting out in front of the ball a little bit more. And by getting out in front of the ball and, and meeting the point of contact more in front of the plate, inherently you're going to end up lifting the ball more, um, getting the ball in the air more. That's just sort of the way that that goes mechanically. And so that's one of the things he's been working on. But I think what it boiled down to for Jordan Walker was that when he's in the batter's box in a game, he was overthinking the mechanics of it instead of just naturally allowing himself to do the things that that made him so good in the first place. And I feel like that's where that kind of got lost in terms of the context, which again, you can hear what Walker said and you can go, yeah, you know, that does sound weird. And I, I don't think you can just wave away the commentary completely because there is some legitimacy to it. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think it's Walker saying, screw the Cardinals and, you know, they don't know what they're doing with me. I think it's more a case of when you kind of put it together and you hear it straight from the horse's mouth, realizing that trying to bring those mechanical adjustments, which he is still making, right? He's still working on those things with the hitting coach down there and trying to to get there, I think, is the bottom line. But it's not like something that he felt like he could continue to think about when he gets into the batter's box. And I think that's the distinction that maybe gets lost a little bit where you can't go into the box overthinking it because then you're just not going to be able to have success. And he basically said, why worry about hitting the ball in the air? If I'm not hitting the ball at all, I can't hit it in the air. So if I hit some grounders, I hit some grounders, but I'm going to have to try to get back to what I do. I don't think it's this major smoking gun about the Cardinals inability to develop, but the, I do believe that if you've got a plan for a guy and you want that plan to succeed, you can't just tell him, hey, just do this thing, and then then you back up here in the big leagues. You have to have the player development staff to be able to guide that 20-year-old, now 21-year-old player into being able to have that type of success and see through the plan that you have put out there for him. So I do think it's a little bit of a mixed bag. But all in all, like John Mozalek on the same day talked to Jim Hayes on the TV broadcast before the game and said, He's been getting great reports from Memphis on Walker, and he's he's implementing the things that they want. He's showing a lot of progress. So, you know, it, who knows what really where really the truth lies. I think it's somewhere in between where Walker might have just been working on the things that he's working on in the batting cage, but had just found himself getting a little bit too much into the minutia of it when he's in the batter's box in a game and decided he had to let go of some of that. But I think naturally, the more that he does work on the side with the hitting coach in Memphis – and if they're if they're working on getting out in front of the ball, that's something that you don't maybe have to articulate. Yeah, I'm really trying to get in the batter's box and lift because you don't want to think that way. But the mechanical thing then becomes instinct once you do it enough and you get the repetition. And I think that's where Jordan Walker is getting to, to where he's going to be able to have the success that he needs to have. He's a top prospect in MLB for a reason. I think he's going to be back in the month of June. That is my prediction. And it could be earlier than that. Well, not earlier than that. We're basically into June now. It could be a very quick kind of turnaround for Jordan Walker if he continues to have success. And if this Cardinals outfield continues to be in a spot where they need bodies, like they started two infielders in the outfield tonight. Tommy Edmonds started in center. Donovan started in right. And Burleson was the left fielder. Like you want those bats in your lineup. Donnie has been hitting the ball a lot better recently. Uh, like I mentioned, the numbers are beginning to come up for him. Tommy Edmond has been a solid contributor offensively. You want his bat in the lineup. Keep an eye on Paul DeYoung. That, uh, you know, he's starting to slip to where we're only a few games away from, I think, asking questions again about whether or not Paul DeYoung being a daily player needs to to be the case anymore um, because they were satisfied with Tommy Edmond coming into the season, being their shortstop, 
I think he needs some reps at shortstop, to be honest, um, to, to kind of maintain that position in case Paul DeYoung falls off the face of the earth again, which is not maybe fair to say, but based on historical precedent, we have seen it too many times to go, ah, it's it's impossible. He's he's solved and it's going to be all hunky-dory. I know it's not automatically the case that it's going to be for Paul DeYoung. 0 for 3 tonight, down to 806 on the OPS. Yeah, suddenly that $1,000 I thought I had in the bank is not looking so strong for a, or, or at least as a guarantee for DeYoung to be a 750 OPS in 400 plate appearances this season. I'm probably going to, it wasn't a bet, but it was it was one that I was hoping to collect on if uh, if the guy was going to be willing to give me the 1K for, for those numbers for Pauly D. But yeah, keep an eye on that now. So with the different guys that are kind of <clears throat> that are kind of struggling offensively in the fact that in the outfield you don't maybe have the health that you did like Tyler O'Neill is a huge question mark he's on a standstill in his rehab don't expect to see him soon and if you I mean he could he could be traded before ever playing another game for the Cardinals I don't think that's an impossibility at this point uh, I'm not saying I'm rooting for that but I'm just reading tea leaves and I just I feel like the team would love to have him back but they're basically saying we don't know when he thinks he can be back and, and Moselak described some of that to, to the cat as well on Monday's TV broadcast. They've got to have him feel confident in the back that he can go and not re-injure, and they, it doesn't seem like anybody really knows what the timeline on that's going to be. Carlson hopefully can get himself back uh, and, and get out on a rehab assignment ASAP with uh, the, the sprained ankle that he was dealing with. But in that outfield, it's okay to have these infielders starting out there because they're athletic enough. They're both called glovers and Donnie doing it at a, at a utility spot. And so they can get the job done. But I just don't, I think at a certain point you look at it, and you go, you know, we do have the top prospect in all of baseball that's an outfielder. Maybe we just bring that guy up. Like, if you're the Cardinals, I think that has to be a thought process and a consideration. And I don't worry about really what his numbers are at Memphis, but it sounds like they want to see some sustained success from Jordan Walker before bringing him up. I don't think we get to Brendan Schaefer turning 29 years old on July 1st. Um, without Jordan Walker already being on the team. I think within the next month, he makes it back. That's my prediction. Uh, Contreras looks rough at the plate right now. Corn, you're 100% right. He does. Um, needs the off day. Needs it. Needs the second off day. Needs it. And and you can't DH him right now with the way he's hitting either. Like, you could you could just give him some days off. That's totally fine. Because um, they're going to need him long-term. They're going to need him offensively. You hate to see the, the production where it is in year one of a five-year contract right now, but that's the case. And uh, we'll see what ends up happening. But Connor adds that he looks lost, so we'll see. Yeah, I, I agree, man. It hasn't looked good at all from Contreras. And Spencer says he's literally been having live stream withdrawals. So I'm glad to be able to pick up the pace and, and help you out there. Corn uh, picked up Michaelis in a fantasy league before today. That I am surprised he was available. I guess I should, t- should check my leagues, but I don't end up, you know, making too many uh, too many pickups. So. I guess uh, I should be I should be more diligent. If if Miles Michaelis was out there before today, I would have picked him up because I have belief that he's kind of turning into that ace, and we're seeing it more and more now from him. And in a nice win tonight, Corn uh, upset that the the Buccos, the Pirates got another win. Look, long season. I think the Cardinals are four and a half back as of right now. They're fine. They're going to be just fine. Yes, they've got to win the games to get there, but this division could be 83, 84. Like, it could be that kind of win total that wins the NL Central. I don't believe in any of those other teams. I don't believe in the Pirates to finish with more than 82 wins. Um, they've got a nice story, but I just don't think they've got the talent top to bottom to do it. The The Brewers' pitching staff is in shambles in terms of pitching health, 
And so I think it's going to be a problem for them long-term unless they get all those guys back and they vibe at the right time. And their offense, I maintain, is not that good. The Reds are not that good. Cardinals should have done more than split against them, but Great American Ballpark is, as Adam Wainwright mentioned, the devil's lair. And so, you know, things happen out there. Not the end of the world to escape with a split. I just don't think this division's that good. The Cubs still kind of, I, I think, are interesting to look at to potentially be a team that makes a run. If any if any team wins this division and it's not the Cardinals, I, my money would be on the Cubs. I just don't believe in the Brewers this season. I don't know why, but I've made up my mind until I see you know some significant offense from them day after day after day, and they lost again today to the Blue Jays, I believe it was. I just don't think it's going to happen for, for Milwaukee this year. Uh, number 5712 asks what roster changes are being alluded to. We don't really know. We just know that there are going to be changes. Uh, Newbar could need the IL stint. He looked like he was moving better today in the clubhouse after the game. But the back, you know, they, they're going to have to monitor that and give him the couple of days to see. Uh, they can go retroactive to Monday on the IL stint. But um, I, I don't know if he's going to need it or not. And if he does, I think Walker could be the move that, that comes back the other way. I know defensively that doesn't make sense because you're not going to have Jordan Walker play center field, but you need some pop out of that outfield. You need some guys that can can have some upside for you with all the injuries that have happened. And so I think making Walker be the guy in right field and then you can play Edmund in center, like I think that's something they could do for a little while if Mercado's bat is not uh, substantial enough to put in there daily. And he's really kind of struggled defensively as well. It's been a shame kind of to see Oscar have a, have a rough week or so after looking like a spark plug. But I, th- I think he can still be a fourth outfielder that makes sense for them. But we'll see long-term what that looks like. He could be back on the chopping block territory when, if and when guys like O'Neill and Carlson uh, come back from injury. But Newpar being hurt buys him some more time to be able to straighten it out for sure. Speaking about Mercado in, in that instance. Um, other moves, though, I mean, it, we're, we're talking still about the rotation, whether it's Libertor or Matt's but I don't know if a, a roster move would be required if Libertor is the answer. If the answer is Matt's back in the rotation, they could send Libby back out because I don't think he should be a reliever. I think you need him available for when a pitcher injury happens or whatever the case might be there. You're going to need him and want him in the rotation at some point. That point should be now, but we don't really know for sure whether the Cardinals will see it that way. Um, I, I think they do, but we'll, again, we just won't know until we know. And they have more time to make that kind of decision. I guess maybe not because you're going to need one of those lefties in the bullpen. Like I figured they could just wait it out because that fifth starter is not going to be needed until early next week. But at the same time, you got to know I have an eight man bullpen going into that first week, you know, first game of the weekend series. Matt's is probably going to be part of that bullpen. That's what I predict. We'll see if they end up getting that decision right. And I think that would be the right call. Uh, 24 likes. If we can get up to 30 likes, I would appreciate that. And if you're watching, uh, this live stream on a replay on Wednesday. Still go ahead and like the YouTube stream. And uh, as you see on the video there, subscribe for daily Cardinals content. Would love to have you guys on board. If you like the videos, uh, would love to have you subscribe. And once you subscribe on YouTube, you can join the live chat and comment on the side. So appreciate you guys for being here. Uh, Allison's getting, getting caught up on the Patreon stuff. And she says it's amazing content. Can't wait to see what you do next. And loving the insight. Allison is uh, one of the best fans out there. Uh, thank you so much for the support. And yeah, Patreon, like I almost put my my article for KMOV on there today because I was just kind of spitting thoughts about um, the Jordan Walker situation. And then I really started to dig in. I was like, no, this is that the Patreon articles are a little more freewheeling. I'm like, this needs to be a legit article 
I'm gonna I'm gonna put this one on KMOV. Um, and so go check it out, KMOV.com slash sports to read that. But we'll have articles, podcasts, and once you're a Patreon subscriber too, and it's patreon.com slash bshafer12, just like everything else, uh, my Twitter handle, the YouTube and all. Once you're on there, you know, people send me, say, hey, I want to hear this kind of content. Can you do a podcast about that? And for 15 minutes, I can just give you exactly the answer you want, kind of longer form than just replying to your DM. I want to be able to do podcasts like that. So appreciate Allison for the for the shout out there on, on the Patreon. Corn uh, says, I like what Walker said mostly, but I do hope he ends up able to get the ball in the air more. Yeah, like I think there's a balance there. And that's why I said I didn't want at first in, in last night on B Shape Daily, I could go back and maybe listen to some of my thoughts and go, you know, I was a little more overboard because I do believe that the Cardinals need to have a development plan in place. It, it can't just be, hey, Jordan Walker, get from point A to point B with your swing. Good luck, kid. And when you do, you get rewarded. You're coming back to the big leagues. Like, I don't think that's what happened, but it also needs to be said that that cannot be the way that it goes especially for a team that has questions about the way that it has developed young players and prospects in recent years. Like you get for every story of a guy that doesn't do well, though, you do get a Brendan Donovan. You do get a Tommy Edmond that kind of comes out of nowhere, wasn't high on the prospect rankings, but turns into a, a really good player for you. But they've had their prospects like Dylan Carlson maybe hasn't reached his potential. Uh, th- there are cases like that where you go, man, I just wish the Cardinals could could develop these guys and turn them into the superstars homegrown that they that they so desperately desire. They have stars on this team, but they've traded for them. They've signed them. It's not been a lot of homegrown. Like Nolan Gorman is the one that you're hoping continues on the path that he's on because then, bam, you have been able to kind of buck that trend of these top prospects not kind of fulfilling their destiny of turning into stud major leaguers. Nolan Gorman seems to be doing that. I mean, again, the at-bat that he took against Chapman tonight was aces. Just, an, just a really incredible at-bat for a guy that you didn't have a lot of confidence in as of a couple of months ago with what he could do against lefties. So maybe that's an example of a guy that's that's kind of bucking the trend. But, I, yeah, you don't want to see Jordan Walker get messed with and get messed up. And so I think that's why people are so on guard for it. That's a, I feel like that's why a lot of fans are having the reaction that they're having to what they're hearing because they go, Cardinals, don't do it again, don't do it again. I think it's more of a guy... You're hearing a 20-year-old, 21-year-old kid talk through some of the things that he is learning and to say, yeah, they wanted me to do this. I really just have to get back to what I'm doing in the batter's box because that's what I'm comfortable with, and that's the swing that I have faith in. But that doesn't mean that on the side he's not still tweaking and trying to to get comfortable with the things the Cardinals want him to do. I think that's where the middle ground lies, and that's probably where reality is on this Walker situation. Um, I don't think the Cardinals are just, you know, absolutely mishandling him. I think they messed up and sending him down. If they were ever going to bring him up, shouldn't have sent him back down. Um, but, you know, that that's kind of old hat at this point. We know the situation with it and where the Cardinals were at the time. You know, playing time in the outfield was scarce. It doesn't have to be scarce anymore. And that's why I think he probably does need to be back up here pretty soon. And it could be the new part play. That could be the swap. And I would, I would agree with it. I think it should be. If not, make it Moises Gomez because he's on the roster the 40-man roster, and he hit another bomb tonight. I don't know what they're waiting for to get a look at a guy like Moises Gomez. The answer with Luke and Baker, they just don't seem to believe in him, but he's also not on the 40-man, so that makes it tougher. Moises Gomez is on the 40-man. I, I There's no reason to even have him in the organization if you're not going to give him a shot when you've got two infielders and Alec Burleson in your outfield. Like, it's somebody's got to come up, one of the two. Honestly, even if you don't have an injury where, where Newpar needs the IL, I still think one of those guys should be up just to get a look at him. 
at a certain point. When you've got two infielders in your outfield, you can afford to get a look at other guys, and maybe it benefits you in the long run because you find out about a guy that you didn't really know was going to be a factor, and then maybe he can be. So I would have Moises Gomez or Jordan Walker, if they're ready to commit to Walker for the rest of the season, that's the guy that it needs to be. If they're not, it needs to be Gomez just to give him a look, and you can always send him back down if you need to. So I'll be curious to see whether the Cardinals end up doing anything like that. Uh, yeah, Corn mentions Paul DeYoung coming back down to earth. Keep an eye on it. He's definitely struggled to get down to an 800 OPS from where he had been, well above 900. It's something that could end up becoming a factor for sure. If by the end of the weekend you haven't seen like that re-resurgence from DeYoung, people are going to be talking about it a lot more than they have been. Uh, Ryan said, hadn't watched a game since Wednesday, and it was for the better. Did miss the streams, though. I didn't watch anything over the weekend. I listened. I had I was on the radio broadcast when I was uh, up at the family farm by the lake all weekend, uh, hearing Ryan Helsley blow that save very unfortunately. Um, that was a rough one. But, yeah, I, I missed some of those games as well. So um, it's kind of needed a break. Needed a break, and uh, now we get another one. So there you go. Um, Connor says, let's blame Ollie for the live stream issues. Why not? We blame him for everything else. I'm going to award that comment of the night. Connor, I don't know that you get an award, uh, but maybe someday we can really get the stream so good that there will be awards for the comment of the night. But for now, you just get to wear the crown. Uh, so, yeah, Ollie gets blamed for a lot of things that aren't Ollie Marble's fault. And uh, tonight I even got some negative pushback to my my tweet about the fact that he said he was looking forward to not seeing any of us media folk tomorrow, which was clearly a joke, and he was just having a little fun. Slim Hot Pocket wants to know, should he or she uh, rep Nato or Wayno in Pittsburgh on Friday? I think you got to go, honestly, I think you go Wayno because you, and especially if you're like going to be there for batting practice, get maybe near the dugout, you wear a Wayno jersey, you know, he's not going to be pitching on the trip because he pitched, uh, didn't he pitch yesterday, right? Yeah, losing track of time. Pitched yesterday, so I don't think he'll be pitching. Um, but I could be wrong about that. I guess he could pitch Saturday if they keep him on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Say, yeah, so maybe he will pitch. And if he does, then I think you wear Wayno because he's pitching. And if he doesn't pitch, then you wear him because maybe pregame you can, like, get him to sign your jersey or something, you know? If he's not on a pitching day, maybe find him on an old man walk or something. That's only after he pitches, so maybe he won't be doing that. But uh, I would go Wayno. I think that's just the final season. You you take every opportunity you can to to rep Wayno right now. Uh, Grave of Einstein was asking uh, some Mizzou football questions. Drinkwood said about NIL deals. Brady Cook has never told me I need to stop eating so much delicious food, so I know who I am. Happy is earning more money. Um, I don't even remember the reference of what Drinkwood said with the food, um, but DM me that, Einstein, if I don't get it. Um, I'll do some Mizzou football live streams eventually. I don't know if it'll be on this channel, though, just because I don't want to piss people off that are Cardinals fans and not Mizzou fans. So I may I may be starting a football channel in the fall for some some fantasy, some Mizzou stuff. And anybody that wants that, you know, when it happens, I'll, I'll make sure to tweet it out, so keep an eye out. Um, two days off, what will Corn do with himself? I don't know what I'll do with myself. I'll still have the radio show four to six on uh, KTGR, but it'll be a little weird not having Cardinal schemes to talk about. And I probably won't do a live stream. Like, I don't even know what we would talk about. We'll see. If you guys say you'd, you'd still watch and hang out with me, we might still do one. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how we how we spend it. Like I had mentioned at the beginning of the stream, Arenado told Jim Hayes he'll probably sleep in, he's going to swim, and he might have a couple of drinks. 
And I think that they, he definitely will have a couple of drinks. I think he said a drink or two, but he's earned it. So who wouldn't, who wouldn't be having a drink or two on a mini, uh, the mini vacation here at the beginning of June? Uh, B-Hack says, if Flaherty and Michaels come around, does that relieve or add pressure to remove Wainwright from the rotation? I think it would add, I think it would relieve the pressure because if the rotation's better, you can kind of afford it. But also, Wainwright's been winning these games uh, a lot in a lot of situations where he's pitched the way that he has. Like, um, I, I feel like the Cardinals have gotten away with some of his rougher outings, and so I think there's not really pressure right now to remove him from the rotation. Cardinals fans might be giving that kind of pressure. I don't think the Cardinals are feeling that at all. Um, Wayno was five innings, three runs yesterday. He wasn't great, but I think he's sort of coming into that part where his worst outing is going to be like the best you'd see from Steven Matz. Like that's kind of where it is. Wainwright to me is still the pitcher. I have the second most confidence in, in this rotation. Um, in Montgomery and Flaherty are like tied for third. I just don't really know what's going on with Monty right now. And he still has not had Wilson Contreras catch him. So we're still talking about that. Keeping a, a subtle eye on, on that may just be matchup based may just be, they're going to schedule it every fifth day to where they want Kisner in. And so if he is, you know, comfortable with the guy, the guys that he's comfortable with, that's the way it ends up going. Interesting though, to see that Contreras was the catcher tonight for Michaelis when it's been a lot of uh, Kisner on those Michaelis games. I think the matchup for Kisner offensively against Granke would not have been favorable, but wasn't favorable for anybody out there. But I think it's kind of interesting that he's, Kiz has been catching Michaelis a lot. And tonight you see Wilson end up, you know, orchestrating along with Miles a gem on the mound. So that's good to see. Uh, Corn says that Wayno's not going to be removed for a while, and he's not. He's not going to be removed at all um, because I think he's going to start pitching better, and and then you're just going to going to say, oh yeah, he's he's back to being Wayno. Connor agrees with that. Had these stretches where he's looked cooked, and then he comes around seemingly out of nowhere. He said this yesterday, guys. Adam Wainwright, we're talking about right now. He said, you know, you have these stretches where right now he feels like every batted ball is falling in for a hit, and. Like, there is some truth to that. He gave up nine hits yesterday. Some of them were on soft contact. Some of them were not on soft contact. But if if you get punished for the ones that should be hits and, and they end up being hits, but then there are a few that shouldn't be, that's the difference between allowing six hits and nine or seven hits and nine, and it ends up hurting you a little bit in the box score. He said the two-spot that he gave up uh, Wainwright yesterday in one of those innings was the one that really made him sad. Because if you don't have that, if you can get out of a jam there, you know, five innings in one run is a very different situation. And he also spent some more pitches trying to get out of the jam that he was unable to navigate. And so he really said, I'm going to go through a stretch where, you know, for a month I'll hardly give up a run. And you guys are going to ask me what's different. And I'm going to say, don't know. (laughs) I got some better luck and I stuck with the process. And now we're seeing the results. Like he sounded like, very confident yesterday and not in like the faux kind of, you know, just being silly Wayno, like not in the way either. That was, you know, when he told John Denton, you know, don't put me in the grave yet, guys, I'm not done yet. Like that. He was a little defensive yesterday. He sounded very, very at ease despite the result of that game. And I feel like it was, you might hear that and say, Oh, it doesn't bother him that he's losing. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. He, but his demeanor to me, when he said, I'm going to have this stretch, it's going to come, you, I believed him. And I think it is coming soon for Adam Wainwright. Um, I would I would pitch him in Pittsburgh because I think maybe he can have some success against those guys. We'll see. Uh, Granke has been solid. Last four starts, two runs or fewer in each. 
That being said, two runs against the Royals over nine innings is not good. No, Laborer, it's not good. Laborer 88 with that comment. It's not good, and I didn't say it was good. I said against the bullpen to score twice in three innings is good or, or acceptable at a minimum, um, especially when Chapman was one of those and they haven't scored against him since 2011 um, prior to tonight. So that's, you know, a, a check mark in the in the good column. To score two runs is not good. I said I wasn't surprised by it, though, just because of where the offense has been. Um, they're, they're run down and they need these off days. So I thought that was valuable that they're going to get them. But no, it was disappointing. And, and Miles Michael has saved everybody from a lot of disappointment by being able to go out and basically single-handedly win that game for them. If he doesn't do that, we're having a very different conversation tonight. Or if Gio ends up blowing it in the ninth, same story. So no, the fact that they were able to get the win despite not having a good offensive game is kind of my takeaway. Uh, two runs in 18 innings against the Royals is even worse than just two today. Yeah. Ben wants to know what moves and welcome in Ben. Uh, what moves do I see in the next 48 hours? I might see a Newt bar IL, which would then maybe lead to a Moises Gomez or a Jordan Walker. If you're lucky, if they're ready to commit to him for the rest of the year, that's the way you go with it. If they're not ready to do that, I think it needs to be Moises Gomez. Um, that those would be the moves I'd be looking at. If Newt does not need the IL, I don't know that they make a lot of moves on the position player side, but for the love of all that is holy, and it's nothing against the guy, but bring somebody up for Trace Pereira. They don't use the third catcher. It would be beneficial to have uh, another bat that you can use with, with some thump in it. If they don't want to bring up Luke and Baker, whatever, but I just, at a certain point, I, I think they they need to to be willing to uh, to find some room for somebody else on this active roster. It's crazy to me that they're they're holding that third catcher spot basically hostage when they do not use it on a regular basis. So that would be the other move I'd be looking for. And then we get some determination on Libby versus Matt's in the rotation spot. And the fallout of that could be if Libby doesn't get chosen for that spot, does he go back down? Those are kinds of the questions that we're looking at, Ben. But I appreciate your comment. Um, probably nothing tomorrow. I don't think you'll see a single move tomorrow unless strategically it benefits them um, to officially IL Newt Bar on the first of the two off days. But I think on the second of the two off days, when it when it gets to that three-day maximum of retroactiving the IL stint, then you might see the moves start to pile in. Um, but we'll see. They can do it whenever they want to, or, or they can wait a little bit because they don't play till Friday. And Connor agrees, get rid of the third catcher at a bare minimum. Yeah. Again, it's nothing against Pereira. It's the role. I, I speak in terms of identifying and evaluating this team from a role perspective. I'm not saying that Pereira is a bad player. We just don't see him. And so I just don't think it's worth having him around. Um, he doesn't bring a bunch of a thump off the bench, and you're going to be reluctant to use your third catcher as an offensive force anyway in a pinch hitter spot or what have you. Just go ahead, especially right now where it doesn't look like Contreras is a sensible DH option with the way he's performing offensively. Can you just go ahead and, and get, get them another bat? That would be the way to do it. Corn is sick of hearing about the third catcher. It's ridiculous they've kept him up this long. It is, and it does boggle the mind. According to Connor, he's right. B. Hack agrees the whole catcher saga has been a nightmare I did not see coming. Yeah, I didn't see it coming to this extent, and it really is weird. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. Barrera has been collecting that major league money. Like, I don't feel – I feel great for Trace Barrera. Like, just getting that per diem, getting that daily, you know, that daily salary. I mean, that's great. That's a great life to be leading. Um, and so good for him, but I think for the Cardinals, you could you could make better use of that roster spot at this point. 
Uh, the Grave of Einstein has been in the, the uh, PST time zone for a bit. Makes it a lot better for the schedule for these streams. Yeah, when we're 12.40 a.m. in the central time zone, he says, I am staring down the barrel of an 8.35 a.m. game this week versus the Pirates, though. Yeah, it's give and take, man. Give and take. Um, Contreras flailing at the plate. He's in Javi Baez mode per uh, Einstein. Hope the rest helps him in particular. Yep, he needs it. DeYoung, I think, is a guy that needs it. Um, those two are probably at the top of my list of guys that I'm glad are getting two days off now. Corn uh, thought the Cardinals were screwed when they did not score Burleson from third with no outs. Yeah, I mean, it didn't feel like the kind of game where you could afford to have those things happen, but Michaelis, Michaelis was there, man. He was he was huge for this team tonight. And uh, I think you can expect maybe not that every single time, but good Michaelis to be back. He's back. Ollie Marmel said, yeah, he's back. Like, it was very definitive uh, back to what he's capable of being and has been. So it's good for the Cardinals to have at least that one guy in the rotation because it hasn't been a ton of guys that they've been able to rely upon that for. Uh, Nate says, if Brer's still on this roster the next game, I'm going to eat my cat. You damn well better not eat your cat. Um, that is not that is not something I support. I'm going to get shut down by PETA or something on this stream. Uh, I do not endorse that. I do not endorse that, just so you know. Uh, Einstein says, uh, was surprised when Goldie went home for the run, but I think he knew that it wasn't going to make it home if he stayed at third, so he rushed it. Yeah, dude, Goldie was hauling ass. I was watching him the whole way around the bases, and I could just tell. I'm like, this dude's not stopping because they need it so bad. Forced him to make a throw. They kind of took a while getting the ball in, and so it worked. But, yeah, Goldie scoring from first, he's a good base runner. He's not a fast base runner, but he's a solid base runner, and he just knew he had to hustle for 270 feet to be able to get home. Like, you had to score on that play with the way the game had gone. Good for Arenado, though, to, to loft one over the left fielder's head. Like, they they need their stars to be stars, and those guys contributed with that one play. Uh, it was a low-scoring game, but you still had those two guys making their mark with, with Goldie getting on base and then running the base as well, and Arenado driving in the run. That was huge. Uh, when the new season of... Uh, I, I always forget the name of the show. I think you should leave comes out they crack down it's a cash grab yeah man i can't believe that netflix stuff steven what's going on man the last few lean offensive games coupled with generally great pitching makes you wonder is it just our fan base imagination that this team has a perennially hard time balancing defensive and offensive efforts game to game does every team go feast or fame as much as we do that is such a great question steven because it's been a, a common trope of cardinals baseball the last few years that they are very feast or famine uh, whether it's offensive with pitching, like you mentioned, sometimes it's defense and base running that, that do or don't line up. Um, I think it's probably the Cardinals go feast or famine more than some other teams, but it's the margin is not as significant as we make it out to be in our minds. That's what I would say. And like, here's the other thing that, that is another like maybe fan base driven or narrative driven in like, I still don't know what to make of this. When we talk about the Cardinals starters only going five innings and they average, you know, Michael has just bumped it up. But earlier in the week, I looked it up. It was like 5.25 innings was the average start for the Cardinals this season. That ranked like toward the top half of MLB. It was like in the middle-ish, but toward the top half of the middle. It was it was closer to the top than it was the very bottom. And I was thinking that was weird because we really, watching this team every day, you feel that and go, this isn't sustainable. How much have we said that, that it's not sustainable to keep hanging the bullpen out to dry with as much ground as they've had to cover game by game. But like the Cardinals are are getting more out of their rotation in terms of innings per game 
than a lot of teams in baseball, which just is like a sign of the times. But I just, I refuse to like stop beating that drum because I think it's so important for this team to get those kinds of outings from their starters. They have five veterans basically on the pitching staff that should be able to do that uh, unless it's it's Libby that takes the mat spot. Like, I think they should be held to a standard where they need to be in the top 10, even in an era where starting pitchers don't go as deep in the games. Like, you you want to be a playoff team, you need to be in the top 10 in offensive production. You want to be a playoff team, it's the same thing with starting pitching. You need to have your guys going deep. And so I'm not ready to let them off the hook for that, even though it's maybe their relative rank compared to the rest of MLB teams is not as bad as we thought it would be. But Steven, your question kind of reminded me of that because, yeah, we always talk about, oh, so feast or famine. Maybe, but it's like a lot of teams probably go through some of that same stuff. So I think, uh, as with many things, the answer is probably somewhere in between where we have two extremes and it's usually the truth is somewhere in the middle. Appreciate you guys joining me for this stream tonight. One more time, I want to ask you to subscribe to the YouTube if you could do so. Uh, I would love to get to a thousand subs within the next week and then really start having some fun. Uh, Contreras is like one hit in his last 36 at bats, right? Labor, it's something like that. He was 0 for 27 and then broke it with a hit last night against the, or yesterday on Monday against the Royals in the base hit up the middle. It was right after Arenado in the eighth inning. And then tonight's 0 for 3. So I think, and it was three strikeouts tonight too, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And so I believe the case would be one for 30. Isn't So not one for 36, but he is one for his last 30. Yeah, so that's kind of rough. Now what you want. Um, Standard to kind of be that way is, is what Korn said. They need pitching even if Libby is good, unfortunately. Again, they probably do, but I don't know who it's going to be that you take out of the rotation. And since I'm not comfortable with that, it's hard for me to start designing trades. But we'll do some trade talk for sure as you get into June and July on the stream, on the podcast. I don't know how many trade pulls I'll do because I feel bad this year. I think it's a case where there could be MLB guys dealt if they do make a big splash for pitching. And I look at guys in that clubhouse, and I'm like, I don't think y'all should be traded. So I i don't know if I'll feel good about putting polls out on it, maybe with some prospect things. And that's kind of, you know, hypocritical because like, oh, just because you're not in St. Louis, I don't see you every day. I'm going to put you in these trades. Like, guys maybe don't even care, but I, I try to think about those kinds of things to be at least fair to the livelihood of these guys. So we'll see. But we can talk about it hypothetically on on the stream because, um, you know, that's the nature of this business. I get it. I get the game. You guys want to talk trades, and I'll I'll be there for you to do that. Uh, but just not yet. Like, we can talk about it, but it's just not coming yet. So um, not as bad, but it's still the glaring issue with the team on paper is the rotation. Yeah, but what if Wainwright kind of turns it around and he's a good number three and then you get one of Monty or Flaherty to sort of level out consistently? Like, I still think there's room for this team to have a solid rotation, but we'll see. It's never going to be great, though, right? It's never going to be, like, elite this year, I don't think. Allison wants to do an episode on the Cardinals' rivalries, good, bad, and ugly, history of how they became rivals, key games, and moments. That could be a good thing for the Patreon, Allison. That could be really good. Um to, to throw on Patreon for sure. I, I kind of, though, I could do live videos too on Patreon, but I with, there's not that many people on the Patreon right now. And it is only five bucks a month if you really like my content. But I that's one of those things where it's like, I want to include the most people as possible on cool stuff, but that could be a niche thing that we maybe throw on Patreon. So I like the idea. Uh, keep on me about it, though, if I don't get to it right away. Grand Slam Scotty says, good morning, Brendan. Hope you and the family are well. And they are. 
How nice is it to have a good pitching performance? Absolutely necessary. Uh, Shane, the offense didn't want to fully capitalize on it. Yeah, it is. But at the same time, that was that was a solid one where they were able to get what they needed um, in terms of having a bad offensive day but getting away with it. Like, Michaelis deserves, you know, in hockey, it's the one star, the two star, the three star. He's the top star of the night for sure for the St. Louis Cardinals and uh, the top star of the series because after what happened on Monday, it just would have been a bad look to lose this game. It would have been, I mean, they would still be within striking distance in the standings, but it feels like a very must-win situation, so they don't linger on the bad feelings for two days while they're off. They should be able to just kind of enjoy themselves and relax a little bit. And guys like Arnado, they wouldn't, he would not have allowed himself to fully do that if they had lost this game. That's why he contributed, I think, with the big swing. Einstein wants to know chicken nuggets or chicken tenders. Um, depends on where from. Generally, tenders probably because they're they're larger. Like I think about Chick Fil A, I love the chicken nuggets there, but if you are getting bang for your buck, I think you order the tenders, unless you're just going with like the 100, 100 count nugget tray, which uh, for those who have followed me for a while know that I once attempted to eat the entire nugget tray at Chick-fil-A uh, while I took it home with my buddy. We both got a 100 count nugget tray. I thought I could eat it all. I used to tell people that there was just no limit on how many I could eat. It was just, it was like eating air and I had to eat my words instead because I only ate like 88 of them before I tapped out. But it depends on where it's from, honestly, is the answer to tenders or nuggets. Uh, one unknown prospect to keep an eye on is Victor Scott II. This is from Einstein. He's got 32 steals already. Good fielder. The bat isn't all that, but he hits pretty well uh, for average pretty well, which is what you want for a guy that steals bases. And think about this, like the batting average on balls in play across Major League Baseball is up right now with the rule changes and the, the the shift banning and the pitch count, or I should say the pitch clock sort of speeding pitchers along. Guy like Victor Scott, if he can just be a decent average hitter, you know, could be maybe what you what you wish Oscar Mercado would be, but like to another level. Um, yeah, I, he's he's still pretty low down there in the system, but a, an interesting guy to keep an eye on for sure. Um, as you mentioned, only in high A, but the guy may be him. It'd be nice. And sometimes those guys develop power too. And then you go, oh, he's a dude now. The league is in trouble. Yeah, it would be great to get that guy going. CJ, what's going on? Awesome win. Need to keep going and uh, agree with that. Uh, Nate does not have a cat, so he's not going to eat the cat, which is good. And uh, number 5712 wants to know, do the Cardinals have any other outfielders aside from Walker they could realistically call up? Yeah, Moises Gomez would be the guy that I would say uh, would make a lot of sense to call up. For one, he is on the 40-man roster. For two, he led the entire organization in home runs last year in the minors. I believe he might have led all of minor league baseball. Don't quote me on that. Because uh, I like to, as my partner on uh, the big show likes to say, I like to lie on the radio. And this would be me lying on the live stream um, if, in fact, Moises did not lead all of MILB and homers last year. But I think he did. I think he might have. Um, pulling up his numbers now because I would love to be able to do this. Check this out. A little bit of this. Come on, computer. I swear, man, I got to get a new computer because all I want to do is just slide the Moises Gomez thing right into your screen so you'll be able to look at it. It shouldn't be that hard, but my computer runs so slow that it simply will not allow me to do it. Like, I'm completely frozen on my screen right now. I can't move any of my uh, any of my stuff, any of my tabs. It just won't let me move it. So, um, But Moises Gomez would be the guy that I would say, realistically, 
you could call him up because he's on the 40-man. He has a, a good bat to him. I think he's a little limited defensively. He's out. He's athletic. He's a very built uh, gentleman. 778 is the OPS in Memphis this year. He had an 1106 OPS last year in Springfield and then 882 when he got the call up to Memphis. Um, so, you know, starting to struggle a little bit more this year. I, I say struggle. I don't think that's a really fair way to phrase it. He's not been quite as productive this season in Memphis as he was last year, but a 778 OPS still slugging 487 with 10 home runs on the season. So he's kind of on a 30 home run pace, but last year he hit, I want to make sure I get this right. And it'd be a lot easier if my computer would just work. Last year he hit 39 home runs between Springfield and Memphis. And so Again, one of those guys that uh, I think they signed him as like a minor league free agent before last season, and he just absolutely took off. Uh, one of those where they they may have got the Rays on one, where the Rays had this guy and didn't maybe get the most out of him. I think he was with Tampa, as I'm pulling this up now. Um, and ended up being like a, a force as a home run hitter last year for the Cardinals. So I would like to see him called up especially if you've got a new bar injury and you're not ready to say Walker is the guy the rest of the season, I think you need to probably give Moises Gomez an opportunity to at least show what he can do. But we'll see if the Cardinals end up doing that as I'm trying to show you some of the numbers there. But that's the issue with me on these live streams. Like I just, I can't, I'm a dummy. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Um, and my computer sucks. So that's nice. All right, hopefully we didn't lose the stream here as I'm trying to get this thing figured out. CJ wanted to know, trade for O'Neal, or trade O'Neal for either Sale, Gilito, or Bieber. Need more starting depth. Listen, the, the O'Neal does not have trade value right now. You can maybe get a reliever for him. He is a 600 OPS hitter who is not healthy right now, who is having a hard time, you know, finding a, even a timeline to get back on the field. I just... His trade value is not Shane Bieber level. It is not Giolito level. It might be Chris Sale level, but that's only because the Red Sox owe him a bunch of money. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure that that's that. that like, I'm just worried, CJ, that O'Neill is not going to get what you think he's going to get in terms of a trade. He's not going to bring in a big name. Maybe as part of a package, but again, you got to realize he's almost a free agent too. And so those tanking teams, you know, thus they need an outfielder and they want to take a shot on upside. I just don't know what the value is going to be there. Uh, feels weird to use Gomez over Yepes. Yeah, I don't know. Like, Yepes is, does not have a position and has not really taken off with the bat. 679 OPS, two strikeouts tonight. He's losing He's losing favor because you, you're either going to hit or you're not if you're Juan Yepes. And if you don't, the Cardinals are going to probably find somebody that will. So... Um, Allison says going to miss the live streams the next two off days. Enjoy the take on the team as the season continues. Good night. This teacher is out. Well, thank you for educating the next generation, Allison. Um, I think I'm out as well. We uh, are now to the end of the comment section. Appreciate you guys so much for joining me. Thank you for seeing it through after three, you know, we had two mishaps and then finally this time the stream worked out for us. So hopefully, uh, knock on wood, we keep having that good luck moving forward. As you see on the screen, subscribe for Daily Cardinals content. Would love to have you guys subscribe before you head out of here. But thank you so much for listening and watching tonight's episode of B-Shave Daily Live. 
Anything you missed will be available on the replay on YouTube, youtube.com slash at bshafer12. Subscribe, or if you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, it's another spot to be able to check things out as well. Make sure you're following on those avenues if you want audio only. We'll get out of here with this. Jake says the only thing about Walker that's better than what we have now is potential based on what we've seen so far. I mean, Walker had that 718 OPS, and he does have the potential to be a superstar. So they want to try to get that out of him the best that they can. B-Hack, cheers to you. Cheers to everybody that watched tonight. Thank you so much. Like the stream. Subscribe to the channel on your way out. And we'll talk to you next time on B-Shave Daily Live. Peace.